Today we're reading in the scripture from John chapter 16, and we're reading today verses 16 to 33. That's John chapter 16, verses 16 to 33. A little while and you will see me no longer, and again a little while and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he, that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me, and because I am going to the Father? So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, is this what you were asking yourselves, what I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me, again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you will know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is the word of God. Good morning, church. What a privilege we have again uh, this morning to be together and to sit at the feet of Jesus and to learn what he left, what he had prepared for us this morning. Amen. Let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> this is your word. You gave it for our edification. You gave it for our training. You gave it for our correction, and you gave it also so they can, we can understand the way of salvation, which is through faith in Jesus Christ. By your spirit, make your word do all these things for us by faith. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 
Amen. I once read a story about this boy who was deep into reading a novel in his living room. And his mother called out to him for help in the kitchen. But he refused, saying that the villain in the story had the hero down and out. It seems like the hero wouldn't, wouldn't make it. His mom didn't buy it and told him to come immediately. In a rush, the boy skipped to the end of the book and found out that the hero didn't die after all. The villain was defeated, and the hero came through in the end. And when the boy walked into the kitchen, he said to his mom, the villain was doing pretty good in chapter 5, but boy, is he in for a surprise when he gets to the last page. And that is what Jesus is telling his disciples in his final words. I have overcome the world. What Jesus was telling them is, I know how this story ends. And that's what he's saying at the last verse that we read uh, this morning, verse 33, the last words of Jesus to his disciples were, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. But notice that this peace is not absence of conflicts because the verse continues and the second part, it says, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Why did Jesus tell his followers these things? And well, my dear friends, enduring difficult times without hope can be challenging. It can be a tough and trying experience. So in the middle of their sad moments that they were experiencing, at that moment, at the, at the upper room, the last day when Jesus was with his disciples, Jesus gave his followers something precious. Jesus gave his disciples hope. And here we need to understand that this was a difficult, very difficult time for his disciples. Their whole lives, they had believed in the Messiah who would establish a new kingdom, become the ruler in Jerusalem, defeat their enemies, and save Israel from the Roman Empire. So their expectations for the Messiah were very high. But then Jesus starts talking about something they weren't prepared for. They weren't prepared for this, that Jesus was telling them that he was going to die. Nobody prepares them for this. And so he told them straight up that he will be arrested, 
beaten, spit on, and even nailed to a cross. He also said to them that he will come back to life. But this is not the kind of Messiah that disciples had in mind. So as they get closer and closer to the final moments of Jesus at the cross, their sorrow grow bigger and bigger. They start to get anxious. They started to be preoccupied. They started to be worried about this. And so Jesus, in his final moments with his disciples, wanted to fill them with hope. And so his last words to them were, take heart. Take heart. These were the last words of Jesus to his disciples. After this moment, he will start to pray for his disciples, but we don't have any other words that he said to his disciples before his death. These were the last words. Take heart. I have overcome the world. It was a message of hope. A reminder that victory was already guaranteed despite their sorrow and their temporary affliction. And so, the victory was secured through two important events. The victory was secured first through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Notice what the first verse says in verse 16. 16 says, A little while and you will see me no longer. We look back and we know that he's talking about his death, right? But his disciples were like, what is he talking about? We see those, the next verse, what is he talking about? And then he says, and again a little while, and you will see me. Again, looking back, we know that he's talking about what? His resurrection, right? But the disciples were like, mm, we don't understand. And I, we read in the passage that even they were afraid to ask because they didn't, they didn't want more information. They were so stressed about this moment that they, no, let's, quiet, don't ask more questions. And although these words may not seem to give hope, they do. Jesus was announcing that although it seems that his death was the end of the story, his victory was assured through his resurrection. And this was the message that he was trying to pass to his disciples. And the purpose of telling all these things beforehand to his disciples was to help them understand that he was in control of every situation that was happening around him and around his disciples. And I have said this before in, from this pulpit, but I will say it again. Jesus was never a victim of the circumstances. He was the victor of his own divine plans. 
was never like the waves of the sea, like, okay, this is happening, so I will do this. No, he knew exactly what to do and when to do it and how to do it. So that's, that's why in John 16, 20, Jesus shared, shared some powerful words. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into, into joy. Jesus foresaw that the Pharisees, the Jews, the Romans, and the religious leader would ultimately condemn him to death. And they would rejoice over that, believing that they had defeated Jesus. They were so happy. Well, we find a, a good way to kill him. And to get rid of this man. However, Jesus was assuring his disciples that this apparent defeat was not the end of the story. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. He comforted them by promising their sadness would become a joy because of his resurrection. And that, my dear brothers and sisters, is our hope today as well. Our hope is founded on this promise at its very core. Through his death and resurrection, we receive the forgiveness of sin. We gain access to a new life. We gain access to a new family. The Bible tells us that before Christ, we were dead and we were enemies of God. We were haters of God. Of God, but Jesus is telling his disciples through my death and my resurrection, you are going to become a members of God's family. You will call God a father, and God will call you daughters and sons. He was promising a new way of living in this life, a new beginning, a new born again. Imagine how I, sometimes I look back on my past and I wish to be born again and not to make the mistakes that I already made. But Jesus is offering us through his death and resurrection a new start, a fresh start, a new beginning. Something even better. We also receive the promise of eternal life and the assurance that the Holy Spirit, our comforting guide, will be with us until the end 
until the day we meet Jesus face to face. This promise was not just to his disciples. This promise is also for all of us here. We are going to see Jesus one day face to face. How many of you crave for that moment to see Jesus face to face? And I am assure you that Jesus is not going to tell you, I told you to have a little faith, to have hope. I imagine Jesus giving me a big hug. And I will say to him, You made it. <laughs> you made it. You did it. I'm sorry. Thank you, darling. The Apostle Paul reaffirms this idea in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 to 18, encouraging believers not to lose heart in the face of afflictions as the trials of this world are temporary. Just for a moment, he emphasizes that our inner selves are being renewed day by day. And the present sufferings, says Second Corinthians, are preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. So, my dear friends, we can be authentic, authentic in our struggles, acknowledging our sorrows and our lamentations as they are part of our journey. In me, you will have peace, but you will have also tribulation, but you take heart, I have overcome the world. We can be sure that in the temporary trials of this world, we have the assurance of everlasting joy. Yes, we can be in the middle of difficult circumstances. And you can think right now, take a moment in the difficult circumstance that you are right now. But knowing what Jesus did for you and for me, knowing what he already has promised for us, that can give us joy in the middle of our tears, in the middle of our suffering. In this world, you will have tribulation. You see around the world and you can see how much suffering we are experiencing. We have the assurance of everlasting joy. And building on the theme of enduring temporary sorrow for the sake of a greater joy, Jesus employed a vivid analogy in John 16, in verse 21 and 23, comparing it to a woman in labor. This illustration resonates with anyone who has witnessed or experienced the intensity of childbirth. 
Well, I have never experienced, but I saw my wife waiting for that moment in pain. The relentless contractions on every muscle, the cramping and pressure on the back and the abdomen, the gradual intensifying pain that seems almost unbearable. <laughs> I was beside my wife and I, I almost faint. Missed all this pain, a new life is being born. In the same way, Jesus assures us that our sufferings are not wasted. Can you believe that? What you are experiencing right now, the suffering, the pain, the hardships in Jesus Christ are not wasted. They are the labor pains that leads to our transformation into his likeness. These tribulations are transforming us to be day by day like Jesus. Romans 8, 18 reaffirms this truth. For I consider, saith Paul, that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Put your suffering... And let's put all together in this side the suffering of all of us. And all these sufferings are not compared. Are not compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Wow. It's not compared. Our momentary afflictions are paving the way for an eternal glory that far outweighs the pains we endure. So just as a mother's joy upon holding her newborn surpasses the pain of labor, our joy in Christ will transcend all the sorrows and trials of this world. Making every moment of suffering purposefully and ultimately worthwhile. When we see Jesus again, because we are going to see Jesus again. Just as he promised, our hearts will rejoice and no one will ever take that joy away from us. No one. The first event that guarantees our victory is his death and his resurrection. But the second event that guarantees our victory is a direct access to God the Father in prayer in the name of Jesus. 
the middle of the suffering and the pain, the middle of what we are experiencing, we have now, because of Jesus, a direct access to God the Father through prayer in the name of Jesus. And that's what we read in verses 23 to 25. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. But the hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. You will know directly the Father. As believers, we are the beneficiaries of a transformative relationship with God through Jesus Christ this new connection abolished the need for intermediaries, sacrifices, offerings. It's a direct line to the Father. When we pray in the name of Jesus, we approach the Father, not merely with our words, but with the very essence of Jesus' character and will. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. We are praying and saying to God, Father, we are coming to you, not because of our own merit, but because of Jesus and because of his character and because of his nature. So we are praying in his name so that we will ask the things that Jesus will ask to you for us. Notice what verse 26 says. In that day, you will ask in my name. And I do not say that you, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. Jesus is telling us here, you can ask the Father. From now on, you directly can ask the Father. Furthermore, the, father, the Father's love initially bestowed upon His only begotten Son is now extended to us because of our faith in Jesus. Verse 27, For the Father Himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Remember when Jesus, when God, when the, the heavens were open and God spoke directly, when Jesus was being baptized, this is my beloved son. What Jesus is saying is that now all of us through Jesus Christ have become beloved ones as well. As you go and run to your father, you can ask and run to God the Father. And ask 
in Jesus' name. What amazing, what a magnificent privilege is to commune with a loving Father who welcomes us open arms when we pray in the name of Jesus. So in closing, our passage for this morning reminds us of Jesus' assurance of victory over life's trials. He secured our triumph through his death and resurrection, turning our sorrow into joy. We now have direct access to the Father through prayer in Jesus' name. The whole point of all this is because the death and resurrection of Jesus, now you can find joy and you can have direct access to God the Father through prayer. So use that means of grace that he is giving you to pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray in the morning when you wake up in the middle of your driving. Pray. When you come here, when you go to work, pray. Because that is a privilege that you have now because of Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity you are giving us um, to be part of this new family. Thank you for the message of hope and victory through Jesus. Through Jesus, we find assurance in his triumph over the world through his death and resurrection. As well, we are grateful for the gift of prayer in his name, giving us direct access to you. Oh, this morning, Lord, we pray that you will help us remember this hope in our daily challenges. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.